0: Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. You guys do that better than Aggies do. That was pretty impressive. Uh, you, can't, you can't go to a group event in College Station without hearing the old howdy, so I feel right at home with you all. Uh, no, actually, I really feel at home with you all because uh, that worship was amazing, and just the focus of, uh, yeah... The, the, God's glory among the nations is exactly what we're going to talk about this morning, and uh, just really appreciated that, and even though we have not met before, I feel like I am with family, because I am with family uh, in the body of Christ, and so it's great to be with you. Um, Before we get into the scripture, I just want to give you a little introduction of uh, the mission and also just personally who we are. Uh, Mark's already told you quite a bit. Uh, We uh, are with Ethnos 360. We did change the name um, because um, it's, well... It's a long story, but New Tribes Mission—we we we used to work almost exclusively among tribal peoples uh, in kind of, sort of, your stereotypical sort of jungle. Uh, what you might think of as kind of jungle locations. We do still work among those types of people, but but we are more and more finding a lot of unreached people groups in places that are in different contexts. And so uh, in a lot of those contexts, if you call yourself a mission, that can actually be a, a stumbling block to entering into some of those places. So uh, we took the word mission out not because we're changing our mission or we're doing what we've always done, uh, but because that is a stumbling block to getting into certain countries that are more difficult to get into. and. Because because some of the places where we work, these unreached peoples, these so-called tribal peoples have moved from tribal jungle places to the cities, and so some places we're working in more urban contexts and uh, in more closed, to what, what, what would maybe be considered closed contexts as well. The word ethnos is the Greek word that Jesus, uh, when he said go to uh, all nations, to take the gospel to every nation, uh, the word ethnos is the Greek word for nations, so that's where that comes from, 360, just the idea of wherever they may be found, all over the world. Uh, And the tagline there, a thriving church for every people. Uh, We don't just want to evangelize. We want to plant healthy, sustaining, reproducing churches among places where uh, there isn't a thriving, reproducing church. So that's what we do. And we do it in about 30 different countries currently. And um, we, uh, yeah, are just excited to be part of that. My family uh, was in Papua New Guinea, and I'll tell you more about that story a little bit later later. Uh, this is the most recent family picture I have because our family's a little bit scattered. Most of them do live in College Station. Most of them did go to Texas A&M. Please don't hold that against them or me. Uh, but that's where my wife and I went. That's where our home church was. And that's where there's a lot of... Actually, a lot, God's doing a lot of great things, uh, even among Aggies. Uh, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of... It's a great place to, to, to uh, center our ministry now of mobilization, trying to encourage... Uh, people, young and old, but uh, primarily looking at college students, but uh, people really all over Texas, just uh, letting people know about opportunities to serve with Ethnos 360 specifically, but really more generally just in the Great Commission overall to see God's glory among the nations. Uh, we have five kids. Uh, this was the marriage of our youngest daughter, Kara, to her very tall husband, Brayden. He's, he's, he's not related to me now by flesh and blood, but only by marriage. That's why I'm not nearly that tall. He's six foot seven. But they're both at Liberty University. Uh, They, they, you know, they're the 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 black sheep. Went off to you know Liberty. No, Liberty's a great, great school. They're having a great time up there. My 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 daughter's a nursing student there, and he's also studying exercise science there. Um, And then uh, we have uh, my other two sons and their wives on the uh, on the right there. Uh, My oldest son's an engineer. My uh, second son's a doctor, and he has our one and only granddaughter. She's beautiful. Her name is Elle. And uh, she, uh, she's going to have a little baby sister here in about a month, so we're very excited about that. And then uh, my other daughter and my other son on the left there, uh, interesting little thing about my, you, you may see them at some point. My... Uh, my other daughter is named Katie. Her uh, fiancé made the picture, you know. Once you're a fiancé, you can make the family picture. But his name's Kobe. Uh, he wants to be a physical, therapy, uh, physical therapist, and he has applied to come here to Lubbock, if you'll let Aggies come. So uh, <laughs> so you, you, may, you may see him again. Uh, he's applied to several schools, so I don't know where he's going to end up. But he did come here to Lubbock about a month ago and was actually... Uh, For his interview, and was actually pleasantly surprised by the community, and uh, just yeah, was excited about it. So who knows? Maybe they'll end up in this in this area. You may see them again. Um, Yeah, that's our family. My wife, obviously, there uh, right by me there, and uh, she's uh, just the most wonderful woman in the world, and I'm very grateful to be her husband. That's our family, very quickly. Sorry, I, I could spend all day talking about my family, but that's not what I came to talk about. I came to talk about uh, what God is doing among the nations. So if you would, turn your in your Bibles to Psalm 67, if you have a Bible with you. And I'd like to read this entire Psalm. And of course, remember that uh, what I loved about the, uh, the songs you were singing this morning was that they... Were prim- that you drew a few from the New Testament, but you drew a lot from the Old Testament. And what I what I would like to do is uh, talk about this theme of missions, but I want to look at it really holistically from the entire Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at the whole Bible. <laughs> no, not really. We're going to we're going to look at uh, various places from the beginning and the end of the Bible to see that this idea of God's gospel, the glory of God, the message of God, the salvation of God, going to All nations is not just this thing that Jesus started at the end of his life when, you know, or the end of, sorry, after he was raised, with the end of his ministry on earth, before he was taken up to heaven. We're familiar with uh, the Great Commission when he told people to go to every tribe, tongue, people, nation, make, uh, make disciples among all the nations. This is not a new idea. This is something that God has been about from the beginning. And, of course, Psalm 67, written back in the Old Testament times around the time of David, um, whether or not it was written by David himself or during that time, it was written hundreds of, if not a thousand years before the New Testament period. So just keep that in mind as we read. And I'm going to be switching between versions a little bit here. I've got some ESV, I've got some NIV, and I've got some NAS, so just bear with me on the Bible versions, but hopefully you'll, uh, you, you'll follow along. May God be gracious to us and bless us And make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Let's just pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the message of salvation that we have received, that we have uh, (laughs) been blessed to receive and enter into new life with you because of what Jesus has done. Uh, Lord, it's a great privilege to be your children this morning. It's a great privilege to be able to sing and praise your name, and yet we're mindful of all the places around uh, the earth that have not yet heard your gospel. And Lord, yet your desire, as we read here, is to see your glory go among the nations. God, may you move in our hearts this morning and show us how you want us to be part of what you're doing around the world, whether that's here in Lubbock or some other place, God. And I pray that you would show us your will in each one of our lives so that we may proclaim your name among, among the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. God's desire is shown to us right here that, that, that his glory would go among the nations, that people would honor him, that people would fear him, that they would know his goodness and that they would ultimately know his salvation in Christ. And that's God's ultimate design for us. In fact, if we go back, really all the way, like I said, we're going to look at the whole Bible here. If we go back all the way to Genesis chapter, chapter 1, when Adam and Eve were created, God said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, rule over it, and, and basically be my image bearers. You've been created in the image of God. Now be my image bearers and fill the earth with worshippers, of me that was the original instruction and they got they got it half right <laughs> you know, I guess they, we, we, they 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 multiplied but the whole part about taking his his glory to the ends of the earth as we know was marred very quickly in Genesis chapter 3 by the fall and sin entered into the picture what we wouldn't understand until later was that even though mankind sinned, God's glory was going to be revealed anyway. And in fact, his glory was going to be revealed, this is mind-blowing, but his, his glory was actually going to be revealed in even a greater way because people sinned. We were going to get to know his mercy and his love and his salvation and, and the death of Christ on the cross and, and his, his resurrection to new life. All of that was yet to come. But that command was there from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And so we know that... Those first few chapters of Genesis, so they, there, was, there, was, uh, there, w- there was a filling of the earth, but the earth, was it says, became violent and corrupt, and, and people turned away from God, and then God sent a flood, and he repeated his instruction at the end of the flood to Noah and to his family. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Spread out. In a sense, again, take my name. These weren't the exact words, but it was take, take the take worship of me. And fill the earth with it. So, you know, be a steward. Be a steward of this ground on my behalf. And so, once again, we see in Genesis chapter 11, people didn't, didn't obey. They disobeyed and sin entered the world. Look in Genesis 11. Keep a finger in Psalm 67. We're going to jump around a little bit here. Now, these are the descendants of Noah shortly after the flood, just a few generations after the flood. Already, they'd gotten the multiply part right. That's good. There's a lot of them. Unfortunately, they didn't get the rest of the command right. It says, it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, probably modern-day Iraq. And they said to one another, come, let us bake bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make a name for God. Whoa, wait, sorry, I misread that. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be, what? Scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. God had said, (laughs) spread out. Take my name, <laughs> go, go around the earth, fill the earth with worshipers of me, glorify my name. And they said, wait a second, no, let's stay here, let's congregate in one place, let's build a tower and make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be spread out over the face of the earth. It had nothing to do with, you know, building a tower that would avoid another flood, it had everything to do with making a name for mankind and not a name for God. It was a shaking of the fist in 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 the face of God. Really, it was like, yes, God told us to do this, but we're not going to do this. We're going to do something different. And so you know the story of the Tower of Babel. God came down to see this uh, this city that people were building. It says, and He said, in, in, in His mercy, He could have wiped them all out again, right? Uh, not by flood. He promised not to do that, but there was other ways, <laughs> you know, and He could have could have judged them immediately, and he judged them in a merciful way by merely confusing their languages and then spreading them out one from one another, says he spread them out physically over the face of the earth and did that through the separation of languages. And so we have this really at the end of Genesis 11, which kind of in some ways forms the introduction to the Bible. We have this situation where mankind is separated from God because of sin, and now mankind is separated from one another because of Babel. And so we have division between God and man. We have division, mankind, one from another. We have people in conflict. And and to this day, sin has brought this conflict, right? And we see see people scattered all over the earth in conflict with one another and in defiance of God. But we know that the story doesn't end like that because we've got the end of the story here. And in Revelation 5, 9, we know this. It says, One day, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are going to be around the throne worshiping God. It says this, And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, that is Jesus, and, you were per- and, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people And nation. So instead of being divided, people are unified. Every people from every tribe, tongue, people and nation are unified together, worshiping, not in defiance of God as they were at Babel, but worshiping this, worshiping God around His throne. That's the end of the story. And so the story of the Bible is really how we get from that place at the beginning to the end. How do we get from Babel to Revelation? In Psalm 67, then back to Psalm 67, really encapsulates the heart of God for his purpose for creation. It's what God is about, it's really what the story of the Bible is about. And I think it's important for us to read our Bibles through that lens, not just not just a collection of of, of good tales that tell us how to live and commandments that tell us what to do and what not to do. And, you know, interesting proverbs and things that that we like to post on our social media and that kind of a thing. We want to see the Bible really not just as a collection of sayings and and all these different things, but seeing it as the story of God taking his glory to the ends of the earth through the message of salvation in Christ. That's the story of the Bible. Now there's something else in this psalm I want you to notice. Twice, specifically, he asks God to bless the people, to bless their nation. And we do that, right? God bless America. We sing, God bless America. We sing that. God bless us. And usually when we say that, what we're talking about is material blessing. God bless us. And he's, he even talks about it here. God bless us. The earth has yielded its produce. God blesses us. God continue to bless us. And when we say that, most of the time when we say it, we talk, we're we really thinking yeah, God bless, bless us, bless our efforts, bless our work, bless our, we want to have plenty of food, we want to have, have good lives, we want to have blessed lives. That's usually what people are saying. But why? Why? Why does God bless? For what purpose? Read what it says there. God blesses us, verse 7, so that... All of the ends of the earth may fear him. There's a purpose for the blessing of God in your life. It's so that you can bless others with the message of salvation and people all over the world can fear him. That's the reason God blesses us in order that we may be a blessing, not just so that we can be comfortable and happy and have great family times together and wonderful Thanksgiving and just stuff ourselves as full of Thanksgiving food as we can, uh, guilty, <laughs> not just so that we can have secure borders and be prosperous economically, so that, God bless us, so that, so that his glory will be proclaimed among the nations. I love that. That was in the first song we sang this morning. He blesses us. I don't I didn't have the exact words in my, in, my, in my brain, but that same idea. He blesses us so that his glory may be known among the nations. Now, how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, God is on the move. If you've read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, you, you may remember that, that idea of Aslan is on the move. You know, Aslan is the Christ character in the, in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you have never read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and if you haven't, you need to because it's very, very good. Uh, but one of the things they say at the beginning, when, when the white witch has uh, got the entire uh, kingdom of, or the land of Narnia in darkness under her evil kingdom, when it's always winter and never Christmas, when it's when they're being ruled by cruelty and fear, uh, the beaver says to the children in the story, "They say Aslan is on the move. They say Aslan is on the move." And when he says that to them, they have this. Oh, each of them has a reaction. Uh the most of the kids, one of the kids is working with the White Witch, and they don't know that yet. And it says he has this I, this feeling of horror that comes over him. But but the rest of them, what, Peter feels bold and. And uh, Lucy feels like it's going to be summer and you know vacation and never ending and you know all this, all these this response. But what I like about that idea is that even though no one can see it at the moment, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. God is working. And it's easy to turn on the television set and, and watch the news and see the conflict that's going on around us and begin to despair and feel like maybe we don't have much in the way of hope. It's easy to look at our, our political system and be a little discouraged by what we see in the news and the, the, the grip it seems that Satan has on our country in so many different ways. But be encouraged. God is on the move. And he's moving people. God is on the move, and he moves people for his purpose and his glory. Just look in Genesis chapter 12. Right after Babel, here's the situation, right? You've got mankind separated, living in defiance. There's this, there's this big problem, right? Right at the end of Genesis 11, it's, the problem is defined. We've got sin, <laughs> we've got division, we've got rebellion, but God chooses a man and his wife Named Abram, later known as Abraham. But in Genesis chapter 12, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, First word he says to Abram is what? Go. He was living over there in the land of Ur, in the city of Ur, which was near the Persian Gulf, what modern day, probably modern day Kuwait, Iraq, that area. And God told him to get up and go, and he took his entire family. In fact, his whole extended family was involved in this endeavor at the beginning, and it says that they went about as far northwest, if you go up the Tigris and Euphrates River, they went up towards what is now modern-day Syria and settled there for a time, and God told Abram specifically, leave your father's house, keep going. Let's just read that. It says, go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. There's that idea again. I'm going to make you, I'm going to bless your socks off, Abram. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you possessions. You're going to have all of this stuff so that you may have wonderful Thanksgiving dinners. No, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all nations, all families, all ethne, if I can use the ethnos term there, all families of the earth will be blessed through you. I'm blessing you, Abraham, so that you may be a blessing, so that you may be a blessing. So sometimes God calls people to go. Abram he called to go. And that's not the only time. In fact, we'll see that several times. He told Isaiah to go. Go, and Isaiah got quite a vision, didn't he? In Isaiah chapter 6, he was uh, given a vision of God, and, and he says, who will we send to go for us? And he says, here I am. Great word there in Hebrew. It's basically like, Lord, whatever you ask, I'm ready. Here I am. What do you want me to do? Great place to be before the Lord. He says... Go go to these people. Guess guess what? They're not going to listen to you, but go to them anyway. (laughs) Go. Sometimes God calls us to go. Most importantly, Jesus' last word to his disciples was also go. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. In Matthew chapter 28, we're told to go. Sometimes that means going across the The room, sometimes that means going across town, and sometimes that means going around the world. But the point is, God is on the move. And one of the ways he does that is he asks us to move. He tells us to go for his purpose and his glory. So God is on the move. He asks people to go, and and they should respond to that. But that's not the only way people move. Sometimes people go. Other times people come, right? This happened in the Old Testament one time. The Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon. See, in the Old Testament, there was this uh, really a a different dispensation. But then, the the way it worked then was that the people of God were to follow His law. The, the, The Israelites were to follow God's law, and as they followed His law, He was going to bless them materially. Things work a little differently in our time and in, in, in the church in the church era, but during the Old Testament, as they followed God, as they followed His laws, He would bless them materially. They would become uh, prosperous. And the best time we see this is during the reigns of David and then in Solomon's time. Of course, David, the man after God's own heart, wasn't perfect. Right, made some big mistakes, but at the same time, he the the story of his life was one of pursuing God, and when he, when he made mistakes, coming to God in repentance and And uh, and asking for his forgiveness. And then his son Solomon, for a good bit of his life, most of his life, it seems, followed him as well. And so during this time period when the people as a nation, as a whole, were following him, they were being blessed. And Solomon, of course, got to really experience the riches of his blessing. So much that he became famous around the world, not just for his riches, but also for his wisdom. And people came from all over the earth to come and see this thing. What's going on here? And the queen of Sheba comes probably from modern-day Ethiopia um, to see, what is this? Who is this guy? Who is this wise guy? I want to come see him. And so she comes and she sees and she says this to the king. She says, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw it with my own eyes. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. And then she says, praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. So here's this unbeliever, if you will a person from a pagan land coming and hearing and seeing the blessing of God. Why did God bless Solomon? So that, so that his name might be known among the nations. And this nation carried back the knowledge of God. In fact, if you've ever wondered why in Acts chapter 10, there's an Ethiopian Jew who's hearing, or Acts chapter 8, I'm sorry. You're hearing about this Ethiopian who has this copy of God's word and he's reading it. And Philip comes and explains who Jesus is to him, if you remember that story, probably the legacy of this story right here, hundreds of years later. There seemed to be some, some God followers, if you will, all the way down in Ethiopia because of this story right here. We don't know all the details on that. But the point is this. God blessed Solomon. As Solomon followed after him, of course, we know at the end of his life he stopped doing that, but as Solomon followed him, He was blessed so that he could be a blessing and the nations might know who God is. God is on the move, and he moves people for his purpose and glory. Sometimes they go willingly, sometimes they come willingly, but sometimes it's not so willingly. Sometimes people get moved for reasons that they don't want to. Later in Israel's history, because they disobeyed the Lord, uh, he allowed the enemy nation of Babylon to come and and to take people away because they had disobeyed him. But there were still some God followers among them. Most famous is Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abel- Abednego. can't say it. They, they went unwillingly. They were taken captive. They went. But as they went, what did they do? They continued to proclaim who God was, and they continued to be faithful to him and walk with him. We see that God blessed these guys as well. They blessed them, if you read in Daniel chapter one. it says He made them smart, gave them gifts of understanding, gave them dreams and visions, gave them good health. They were blessed by God, so that so that they could use these gifts for the glory of God to proclaim His glory. And so as you read through Daniel, great reading assignment for this week. Look at the missions focus in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter one, they honor him. In their lives by not defiling himself with the king's food. And so God blesses them and makes them healthier than everybody else. And then he blesses them to be able to proclaim the meaning of the, and well, not only the meaning of the dream, but also the dream itself, which no one else could figure out. Daniel in chapter 2, and then Daniel in chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they honor God. And Nebuchadnezzar is starting to pay attention to these guys, especially when they don't burn up in the fiery furnace. And at the end of his life, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. I don't, know what his, I don't know where his heart was. I don't know if this was just like he was kind of forced to do it or if maybe in heaven when we get there one day, we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar there, this evil king who came to understand who God was. I, I'd like to think at the end of his life, he kind of bowed the knee to God and became a believer, if you will. I don't know. But he says this. This was a public letter to his entire kingdom, by the way to all the nations that he had conquered. He says this, I praise the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever, forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven, all the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand and say to him, what have you done? Daniel and his friends, blessed. Why? So that God's glory could go to the ends of the earth. So that God's glory would be made known among the nations. God is on the move, and He moved these people for His own purposes and His glory. Sometimes people go willingly. Sometimes they come willingly. Sometimes they go unwillingly, and sometimes they come involuntarily. Another example of this is a Roman army officials in New Testament times. You know, this uh, these guys didn't want to get. They didn't want to get us. Oh, I'm assigned to Judea. <laughs> I've heard about these people. They're they're knuckleheads. I gotta go. You know, I gotta go try to keep them in line. But as some of the Roman centurions and Roman officials came, they heard the message. They heard who God was. They began to understand that this God of the Jews was something special, unlike their pagan gods. And one guy named Cornelius, an army centurion, came and he began to follow God as best he knew how. And it said he was praying and he was giving gifts to the poor and he was seeking to follow God. And if you read the story in Acts chapter 10, he became the first Gentile believer. God moved him. God moved him to Judea. He had no idea why. But he birthed, he helped, he became the first birth, birth person? I don't know. That's not right. He became the firstborn, if you will, of the Gentile believers. Read Acts chapter 10 for the full story. God is on the move, and he moves people for his purposes and his glory. You know, church history has seen all these kinds of movements as well. I I love to teach a class on this and go through church history and chart how God has moved people. Sometimes they came voluntarily. Sometimes they went out voluntarily. All throughout church history, people are moving, and as they're moving, they're hearing this message or proclaiming the message. I'll just give you a personal testimony. This is very late in church history. This is my life. When I was a student at Texas A&M, uh, well, I'll, I'll go back a little further. When I was growing up, the last thing I wanted to do was to be a missionary. We, I grew up in a church that had a lot of uh, missionaries come and speak. And I was—it was. it don't get me wrong, I thought it was, it was a great thing. But it looked pretty hot, it looked pretty uncomfortable, and it looked pretty, like, why would anyone really want to do that? That's great. I will, get, I will go and I will get rich and I will send missionaries. And uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll send a bunch of money to missions because I think it's a great thing. I just don't want to do it. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, a friend gave me this verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I thought at that moment, I thought, well, okay, that's great. I'll delight myself in the Lord. I'll, I want to do that. Desires of my heart, good job, good pay, nice cars, who knows what else. Nice house, nice wife. And as I delighted myself in the Lord, as I really began to follow him during my years at Texas A&M, I began to realize God was beginning to change those desires of my heart as so I delighted in him. And I took a short-term trip to Mexico with a student organization. And when I was there, I laid it down before him and I said, God, if this is what you want from me, I'll do it. This, I, I could actually see myself doing this. This is pretty awesome. Uh, seeing God move among people there. God moved my wife's heart in the same way, and so through some twists and turns, we eventually went to the country of Papua New Guinea. We went originally to teach uh, at, a, at a missionary kid's school. We, God called us specifically to that ministry of teaching, teaching the, mission, the children of the Bible translators and, and church planners and other missionaries so that they could be focused on the work of Bible translating and discipling, and back in those days... We didn't have as many homeschool resources as we do now, but that was a, that was a big job back in the 1990s, back in the 19, 1900s, yeah, way back then. I didn't have a horse, though. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but while we were there, we got to be a part, I eventually moved into field leadership and uh, we got to be a part of a lot of different church plants. We weren't the Bible translator church planners ourselves like Doug Scheibel was, Tribal Scheibel they used to call him, maybe you guys called him that. Uh, but we got to be part of a lot of them through, the, through our work in missionary kid education, through our work of, uh, in the field. This is just a trip I took with uh, some of our new church planners a couple of guys, young guys on the right there. Uh, we were actually signing a land agreement so that they could build houses and uh, learn, the, learn the language of the Konamala people. That picture was taken in 2018, and um, they—no, uh, that was 20—sorry, 20—yeah, 2018— And uh, they um, planted that church uh, just about a year ago. And now there's believers among the Konamala people, and they're being discipled, and the Bible's being translated. There on the right is a dear sister in Christ named Okani with my wife there. Um, She was martyred, (laughs) we found out, just about a year ago. Martyred for standing up to some of the uh, satanic practices that go on in, uh, in Papua New Guinea. They still burn witches. And so she was killed because she stood up for that and stood for Christ in, in, a, in her really unsaved village. She was about the lone believer. And we got word that she was killed not too long ago and still get a little choked up when I see picture of her. She's a sweet, she barely read. She, uh, she, used to, uh, she used to have a little New Testament in the trade language. And uh, she had these really thick bottle cap glasses, barely could read. But she would read out loud during her lunch break. She would uh, come to the house, and during lunch, she would, uh, she would get her Bible, and she'd get up close and just try to read the words as best she could. Uh, dear Sister in Christ, every time she prayed, she had a hard life. She had a difficult life. She, uh, her husband was blind. Uh, she had some, a lot of aches and pains. And lived in a village of unsaved people, but she would come to our mission station, and she worked for us, and we became just good friends. But every time she prayed, she would say, Lord, thank you for heaven. Thank you for heaven. (laughs) That's what she was looking forward to. She had her focus on that, and like you were saying earlier, she got to get there before the rest of us. God is on the move, and he moves people for his purposes and glory, and you know, it was, there was something we sang in one of the songs that talked about, you know, being willing to sacrifice, being willing to give it all or sacrifice it all so that others could come to know Christ. And I would just say our own testimony uh, wasn't that much of a sacrifice. We got blessed. God blessed us through the 24 years we spent in Papua New Guinea. Um, yeah. Just to close. Um, Sometimes we see pictures like this in the news, and sometimes the news tries to stir up our emotions in maybe ways that aren't biblical. God is on the move, and he moves people for his purpose and glory. The mass migrations of people <laughs> has happened a lot in recent times. It's happened throughout history. but the past 100 years have seen some tremendous number of peoples moving, whether that's refugees fleeing violence, political turmoil, famine, or or immigration. To North America, roughly... 14% of the population of America now, about 47 million people here, are immigrants. Many of these peoples, especially refugees, have come come from peoples who would be considered unreached peoples, peoples that don't have access to the gospel in their home countries. They're closed oftentimes, but for whatever reason, now they're here. Now, I'm, I don't want to get into pulp. This, this is one of those political landmines, like taking a grenade and throwing it in the middle of the room and just walking away and see what happens. But I, I don't want this to be a political discussion. And I know there's a lot of strong feelings on these issues, and they're very complicated issues when you, when you think about different, different concerns about uh, border security and all that kind of a thing. But I would just challenge you. I would just challenge you that when you see statistics and when you see pictures and when you see news reports, I know even when I was, watch- I was watching a news report on this the other day, and I, I felt just a little bit of fear in my heart and i feel like sometimes some of the news we hear tries to stoke some of those fears and get us all kind of riled up but can we can we not become polarized like our political system currently is where we have left and right and but can we as a church not fall into one ditch or the other on that but rise above and see world events in a different way not right or left but through eyes that desire to see the glory of god among the nations can we first and foremost think what opportunities are there in this situation to promote the glory of God to the peoples of the earth? I love it that you guys are inviting uh, international students to your Thanksgiving. We do that at our church as well in College Station. We have thousands of international students that come, and it's just a great time to share a meal and just to have an influence. Uh, it's, it's, It's fantastic. I know sometimes we see these pictures and I feel like the news reports try to stir up fear and we worry that our blessings might be threatened, right? What if our way of life is threatened? What if our comfort is threatened? What if our, what if our good life is threatened by this? If all these people come in, will that threaten the blessings that we've received? But remember, God has blessed us. God blessed us so that. Why? So that. His glory might be made known to me. It's become this place where everybody wants to come and share in those blessings. And sometimes we're like, ooh, I don't know about that. But what if God has blessed us for this very purpose so that people might come and hear the saving message of Jesus Christ? I know it's a complicated issue, and I'm trying to oversimplify it. But just I challenge you to look at this situation through kingdom eyes. And I think your spring break trip is going to be dealing with some of this as well. So uh, just a little segue for the lunch there. Make sure you uh, support the team that's going to go work with the refugees and the internationals in the Dallas area. Lots of opportunities there. Lots of opportunities for the kingdom of God. God is on the move. And he moves people for his purpose and glory. So what do you do with this? Sorry, I know I'm a little bit over time. I'm just going to real quickly give you just a few practical practical things. First, you can pray. Pray. There's some great resources online for praying. Pray for your missionaries in your church that are working among unreached. Uh, There's a website called unreachedoftheday.org, unreachedoftheday.org, where you can learn about people groups that are outside access of the gospel. Consider going on a short-term trip some of you are doing the spring break trip. That's great. What about a, a short-term trip overseas to see what's going on? I've got some information on that that I've left with Mark. If you want to know more about short-term trips, you come talk to me. We'll be in room three during the lunchtime if you want to know more about some of the trips and things that just show you really what's going on. Uh, it's not enough time. A short-term trip is not enough time to plan a church among an unreached people group, but it's a, short enough, it's a long enough time that you can actually see what's going on and see how could I play a part in this. We have uh, two-week, three-week trips. We have five- and six-week trips. I don't have time to talk about those in detail right now, but they're just great ways to see what God is doing among the nations. Um, we do like to prepare our missionaries, uh, so if you think you might want to do that, uh, we've got a Bible school where you can really learn the Scripture well before you go off and try to teach it to others. Uh, we want you to be well-prepared. We also want you to be well-prepared through our missions training program so that you uh, uh, that you Get over there, and know what you're doing. <laughs> we live, we work in some pretty tough places. It's good to know how to survive in the jungles before you get out there. Uh, good to know how to get electricity from the from the sun, and uh, to be able to <clears throat> not not get sick from some of the illnesses and stuff that they have over there. At least, if you do get sick, know how to how to deal with it. Um, yeah, we've got a, a Bible school in Waukesha, Wisconsin. That's uh, just a wonderful community. It's a great place to come and learn about. Uh, Learn about God's Word if you're looking for something to do after high school or after college. uh, We have a lot of young people that go there. We have an online program if you're in the middle of work and you're like, how could I ever move to Wisconsin? We have it all online as well now. So if you're interested in something like that. And then our missions training also just to equip people to take the message to those who are still without the reach of the gospel. if you want to know more, you can come see me in room 3. You could if you if you can't make it to room 3 but you want to know more, you could take a picture of that QR code and uh, that just gives me an email basically. It tells me that you are want to know more and I can connect with you later. It doesn't put you on any lists or you don't worry. It's, there's no spam, there's no viruses or anything there. It's all it's all good. Um so I just want to close just by reading you one little one little tribal letter. This is uh, This is one example where God might be calling some of you, maybe, to consider, how might God be moving me? Um, That's a question. Where is God moving you? If God is on the move, where is God moving you? And I I want to leave you with this letter. This is an excerpt from a letter that was written. We get a lot of these letters in New Guinea. The situation in New Guinea is such we've got more people asking for missionaries than we have missionaries available to send. Let me just say that again. We have more tribes, more unreached peoples. There are 850 different languages in Papua New Guinea. It's mind-boggling. I could go into why that is. But there's just so many different languages, and many of them still do not have Scripture, and many of them do not have a church, and yet they are asking for missionaries. They're asking for people to move, (laughs) to go. Um, I've got an excerpt here. It's up there, but I can't read it. My eyes are not good enough. Uh, But I'll just read you a little bit of this. This is just one of many letters we've received. Hello, good morning. I'm Ipe and I know I'm the leader of the Anu village. Now I'm carrying a big heavy about getting a missionary. Please, us dark ones of Anu are truly afraid for our lives. I've also got a worry for my friends here who live in darkness. So then I've got this worry. Are you able to come and wash my eyes so that I can see or not? Do you ones have a worry for those of us in the dark or not? I think we must stink like rotten meat or what? Is that why you don't send anyone to plant a church, a seed in our Anu place? This is not new. For eighteen years we have carried this heavy for nothing. We've had to tell a lot of these places no that have asked, and the reason is because we don't have enough people. Sorry, we don't have enough missionaries. It takes a long time to plant a church, and our missionary families go in two or three at a two or three families at a time and spend ten to fifteen years in a place learning that language, translating the scripture. Just want you to know there's people asking. There are people asking. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't say that to guilt you. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't believe in guilt. But I do say it because a lot of people are just unaware. Most people think going being a missionary is like trying to bang down the door and try to get an audience with people, and nobody really wants to hear it. But in New Guinea, they, it's amazing what God is doing. God is on the move. God is on the move in Papua New Guinea. Uh, and we got to be part of a lot of those church plants uh, through our work, support work there. And it was, it was a thrill to be part of it. So I leave you with that. Let me just pray for us, and uh, we'll close. Lord, thank you so much for um, what you're doing around the world. It's sometimes dark when we look at things through worldly eyes, but Lord, to give us spiritual eyes so that we can see that you are doing amazing things among uh, the nations. God, your glory is going among the nations, and there's nothing the enemy can do to stop that. Thank you that you move us. Thank you that you move us out of our comfort zones, out of the places where we're comfortable, and you move us to places where we can be beacons for 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 you. We can proclaim your light and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and His gospel. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Him. God, I just pray that you would just challenge each one of us with how you want to move us, whether that's just <laughs> whether that's moving our hearts and uh, moving us to to share with our neighbor or moving us in some some other place. God. Um, You've got a different path for each one of us, and I just pray that you would show that to each one now. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen.